Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the IGN UK podcast, the first one of 2014. I'm Stu. I'm joined by Croops. Hello. And the other fellow. Luke, hello. <laughs> and the little fella. You. The little fella. Off the news Hey, the Dickens, are you little man with your newsy videos? We're having a lovely time. Good, I'm pleased to hear it. Uh, so, yeah, that's been then. That their Christmas. Does it seem like a long time ago? Christmas. Yeah. It's, but I'm already in the depressed bit of the year. Luke, you're never not in the depressed bit of the year. No. You're, no. you're more really depressed. I, it's like, what have you got to be depressed He's about? young, he's handsome, he lives in London, <laughs> like, and he's permanently fucking depressed. It's the first day back. It's awful. January's awful. Is it really awful? January is awful, and the weather's meant to go to shit as well. So, really, what is there? What is there anymore? Wow. Brilliant. That's what go. I like. That's what I like, is, is all that optimism flooding out of you. Well, I figured there's only, that if I start this way, then the year can only really get better, right? Probably not. Um, well, Labour might get. Well, uh, is that is this it? year? No. I, that's next year, isn't it? That's next year. How was Christmas then, for everybody? It's fine. I did. Bugger all. Same, really. Really? This is probably not the most interesting section with why, which to open why the show. Didn't, what, what do you mean? You, 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 what, so you, I, well, you went up to see your mum. I went to see my mum. And that's nice. I just, is, that, is that really of interest? I saw my mum and I sat around and watched a lot of telly. I watched quite a lot of telly, I, watched, um, I haven't watched telly in a while. with um, Walking Dead, which got very good mm-hmm. after a slow start. Really? Although somebody made a very good point. Who was cutting the grass? Yeah. Outside the fucking prison. Oh, uh, yeah. All the grass is very nicely manicured in Walking Dead. Who's cutting it all? Maybe there'll they'll be a reveal. Herbivore zombies. Or is it actually they're filming in real world locations where the grass is well tended to? Yeah. Don't lie. Probably about things like that. Anyway. That's a rumour start. I also started watching Sons of Anarchy, which, Stuart, I'm going to yeah. talk to you about this today. Start watching Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> if, if you're in need right. of a new Netflix c- series to watch, which I was over the Christmas break i started watching it and it's very good really yeah, yeah. um i started i took me a couple of girls to watch the first episode i watched like 10 minutes and i was just like oh no, i'll turn it off but then i committed and i watched about a season and a half in a day <laughs> and it's really good it's kind of darkly comic like breaking bad at, at times it's kind of modern day western it's really good i'd like to see what you thought of it well i'll let you know and indeed, anyone it. who listens to the show yeah. if they watch Sons of Anarchy and it's good or it goes rubbish tell me when to stop watching yeah and I'll do that but so far it's good and the woman in it is Leela from Futurama oh I like her she's also um, Katie Katie Sagal Tucker's mum in Tucker what's Tucker? Tucker Tucker was a Nickelodeon program back in the day right that had um, that guy that Eli Eli Marienthal or something what's that? he was the the one who then played Stifler's little brother in American Pie okay um, she was also in Married with Children. She played the mom. In she Married, did. She Peggy, married Peggy, with children. Peg, Peg. Peggy, yeah. She's quite sexy in Sons of Anarchy. Is she? Oh my God. A little bit milky. How old is she, though? She's more gilfy now, I would have thought. I was going to say, well, she's got to be quite old. It's now. a spectrum, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a spectrum of replacement hormones and whatnot. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't know where I'm going. Would you like a spade to dig yourself a bit deeper? Like Kate Siegel. Right. <laughs> what? Woo. Telly over Christmas then. I suppose we ought to mention that very quickly as uh, a couple of big things were happening. There was the whole regeneration thing on Doctor Who. What happened? It was... It was in terms of one hour of inaccessible television, that's probably the most inaccessible hour apart from... Um, they're probably that, really. Cause I, I was, was going to say Ready, Steady, Cook, but you know what? That's probably the most accessible television ever because it's like Ready, Steady, and then you cook. The name is pretty, you know, kind of yeah. self-explanatory yeah. on that one. Yeah. I always really wanted to go on to Ready, Steady, Cook and just take really, really difficult items on. <laughs> just like, what have we got? 
Oxo cubes. <laughs> Oxo cubes and Just carrots. Cubes. But the thing is, Ready Say Cook is always a fucking cheeks. They had everything in the pantry. Yeah. So Anthony Warrell Thompson, like the little Anthony Warrell irritating, I don't like him. Foraging no. hobbit that mm. he is would come on and he just make something out of the items he had in the cupboard. So yeah, what, he would like... disregard what they had. Oh, oh, it's a pepper. I'll stuff it with whatever I was going to make with the rice. Yeah. That's anyway. I feel like I've um, derailed this conversation. So. But that's a lot of a life, as far as I'm concerned. What would you take on then? When life gives you pepper, stuff it with. What rice. would I actually take on? What yeah. would I take on to be disagreeable? What would you actually take on? Oh well, I just take on what I'd like. I guess I'd probably do chicken thighs because they're affordable cuts. So you've got to get it under a fiver. Yeah. But you want a substantial meal? Is so. it what it is under a fiver? I didn't know. They that. used to be. I don't think they adjusted. They threw caution to the wind and disregarded the well, price with, limit with inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What would you take on, Stu? Halibut. Why? You wouldn't get halibut for under a fiver. Just a very small piece. No, but what would we take on? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'd I'd like a Lego lamb, but you're not going to get that under a fiver either. (laughs) This is is the problem. Lego lamb? Lego lamb. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Anyway, so... Talking about Lego, did you see what I sent? Did you see that picture I sent? Oh, the video I sent around. Not a picture, a video. Video is... Is there a video editor? You see that picture? I see that picture. That moving picture. The thing from Mario game. The Lego thing? Yeah. Lego Yoshi. That's it. Yeah. It's good, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Great. Anyway, send that to link so, to everyone who's listening <laughs> and then they can join we'll put, in We'll embed it in the story, Nobody maybe. Nobody will be listening now. Go back to Doctor First Who. First mention of Ready, Steady, uh, Cook. Oh, Click. fuck. Let's go back to Doctor Who. It spoiler was re- alert. Should we do a spoiler alert for this bit? Oh, if you've not watched it. FYI, I haven't watched it, so this well, is going to be exciting. It's probably really not on iPlayer now. So either, he regenerated, <laughs> but it was really confusing, wasn't it? And I know a lot of Doctor Who fans, some liked it, but uh, a lot of them thought it cheated somewhat. Well, let's start with the regeneration. Okay. Because the last couple of regenerations have been quite dramatic. Well, over the last... CGI heavy. And this one was just like... And I'm in the room. But also, in in context, they, over the last year or so, they've create you've used up a couple of the spur regenerations yeah. to make this one into the dramatic regeneration where there were no more regenerations left. So effectively, when Matt Smith died, that was the end of Doctor Who. Because he can only have 13 only, he, he, was, he became, retroactively, the 13th Doctor, therefore the last Doctor. So when he died, he thought, for all intents and purposes, he was going to be dead. So it gave it a bit more gravitas. Yeah. Um, but a lot of Doctor Who fans saying, you know what, why not set that up so Capaldi in his tenure could have been the last Doctor? So you would have got much more kind of dramatic mileage mm. out of that concept over an entire season. Yeah, and him being so more for an entire aware season, that any time he yeah. engages himself. Yeah, so he's trying to maybe find a way yeah. around it. Or you've got that for a whole season, but it almost felt like... And this is what a lot of fans think. I, I don't count myself one of them. I don't, you know, I'm not steeped in the mythology, but they think Moffat just wanted to do it himself and have that kind of storyline to himself and he be the one to write it. It's, rather than giving it up to a series of writers or when he steps back from showrunner, giving it on someone well, it's, else. It's quite interesting you say that because I um, I didn't watch um, Doctor Who and, you know, we, we are going to talk about Sherlock in a bit, but... Don't mention the fact you haven't you haven't watched Sherlock yet. I haven't watched Wait Sherlock. A bit. Wait a bit yeah, until I'm, we talk about Sherlock, the, then mention the, point the fact that you haven't seen a it. lot of my, um, people I've seen, like, a lot of my friends on Facebook and things have said, and a lot of people seem to be agreeing with is, at this stage, in the case of both of them, it, they kind of feel, Moffat feels, it's more about Moffat than it is about the show. Like he's kind of getting, not too big for his boots, but he wants to, you know, 
I mean, as I say, I haven't seen them both, so I don't know. I'm throwing it out there to two people who have seen them. Mm. People are saying that Moffat is kind of caring more about his impression of like his yeah. thing. He's the star. Yeah. yeah. You know? Also, have you seen those quotes that have been going around attributed to Moffat? I think they must have been around for a while, but he's a, he's a terrible misogynist. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's not gay, is he? It's Russell T. Davis. Who Russell was, T. Davis yeah. is gay, yeah. Russell T. Davis also, uh, <clears throat> to my surprise, wrote the Christmas Day episode of Father Jack's Old Jack's Boat. Uh huh. Uh, this year, which is uh, this uh, program for under eights on the CBeebies channel. Yeah. And it was the sweetest, most tear-jerking really? thing I've seen on TV all year. It was absolutely amazing. Did you watch Polly? Because yeah, and, and, she and Michelle, it? all three of us were, were crying our eyes really? out by the end of it. It's about old Jack. Is this guy who lives in this little fishing village, uh-huh. uh, and <clears throat> he's like eighty-five or ninety, however old Bernard Cribbins is who plays him. Yeah, and he's got all these friends. He's got this dog, Salty the dog, and every. Every episode, he goes onto his boat, the rainbow, and tells a story to Salty and the children listening and watching all about his life. And the Christmas Day episode was all about how he met his wife. And then at the end of it, of course, he's 85 and she's gone. And he's he's actually in tears doing this show. And, like, everybody's just crying their fucking eyes out watching this kid's show. It was absolutely lovely, but really, really quite distressing as well. That's traumatic. Yeah. Anyway, anyway so that's what I did with my there. child on Christmas Day. Wow. So did, yeah, you get, did you get any of these quotes? Oh yeah. Do you want me, read, do you want me to read some of them? Yeah. Out? This uh, is this is very freeform today. This. I know. Really sorry we basically, about this, no, guys. basically, not much news happened. Okay. Christmas, so so we're when he was cast, when they were casting for Amy Pond, and was, he saw this direct quote about the previous woman they were auditioning. And I thought, well, she's really good. It's just a shame she's so wee and dumpy. When she was about to come through to the auditions, I nipped out for a minute. I saw Karen walking on the corridor towards me and I realised she was 5'11", slim and gorgeous. And I thought, this will probably work. Oh, yeah. Is that misogynistic or is that just being honest about what you need on a TV programme to sell it to foreign markets? I think there's different ways to phrase it. Don't say wee and dumpy, Stuart. I think wee and dumpy is probably (laughs) misogynistic. It's just, is it though? It's not tactful. It's not. Ta- there's. Has any? Come on, hands up. Who here hasn't used the phrase "we" and "dumpy"? Well, I'm no. I've never said the word "we" or "dumpy" in my life. Dumpy, maybe. I don't say dumpy. You just did. You said I it beautifully did. well. It's all very clear. Excellent diction. Thank you, dumpy. dumpy. I was about to tell you because I thought you were going to ask me about what I did on my Christmas day. Yeah, go on. And um, I, for my sins, got back into World of Warcraft because. Um, there was a catastrophe. We didn't think we'd have Christmas lunch because the Arga, not to sound too middle class. Jesus Christ. The Arga wasn't as hot as it was meant to be, so the turkey took longer than it should have, so we had to kind of... Jesus Christ. The Arga. Yeah. Uh, that's like good, isn't it, though? Mm. I see what you did there. Argo film. But, um, yeah, no, I've also never lived in a house without an Arga. There you go. Have you never, really? No, and I've lived in five houses throughout my life. <clears throat> This is the parental thing they always want. My, well, my dad kind of, my dad, if it's a ready meal, he's happy. But my mum is like, there's agar or bust. Pretty but much. aren't they really, really difficult, difficult. to cook on? Difficult to do um, heat management on them. Well, yes. yeah, because all, yeah. all the different doors that, you know, you figure out. It's like, do you want it quickly? It's top right. Otherwise it's like a them. fucking advent calendar. They're amazing. They're like, <laughs> I can't <laughs> but, but this is like, again, an insight into What's my this? life. What's this? A little warm drawer. What's that for? Peas. When I went to, when I went to university... I couldn't use an electric oh, cooker. Jesus I didn't know how it worked. Didn't know the temperature or anything. As far as I'm aware, you shove it in the top right if you want it done quickly. Otherwise, just... Excuse me? But that's how it works. So the struggles that I have been through are numerous, including not <laughs> know, knowing how to <laughs> yeah. work an electric or gas cooker. 
Can you do that now? You, the groundswell of something. Um, kind of, yeah. I get scared lighting gas cookers. I think they're going to burn me. Well, you don't have to. Modern gas cookers, you, you just turn the switch, they light themselves. Oh, they no, go, I've never I've never encountered one of them. Oh, I've never in all my ears. Fuck off. I've never encountered... Anyway. So that was Doctor Who then? No. Um, um, and so, a surprise about Argus. But am, am, I, am I right in thinking Doctor Who now? Someone said to me, because he was kind of given a new thing. Yeah. So is this yeah. he now the first in another run of 13? We don't know, because they kind of... Or have they bought him one extra one? How does that so, work? So... The Time Lords basically gave him Granted some, him yeah. a, a new regeneration We. I would assume it's just one for now. Oh, see, I was under the impression that... Oh, well, some, some of my friends who were trying to explain this to me and I was just like, can you shut the fuck it's up? Not confirmed. They were kind of saying to me that, no, it's now, he's the first in the next... In another 13 That's not been explicitly stated. No, it hasn't, is it? Okay. That would be really crap if that's the case. Dun, dun, well, I mean, there you go. Well, then, I guess, in a way... And we got to see Capaldi, but not much of him. Not so. much of him. And, and he didn't was, have a new outfit or anything. And I was a bit concerned, actually, because he, 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 he looked a bit, a bit weak. Really? He didn't yeah. look at all commanding, did he? But he hasn't got his new outfit and he's just been reborn, essentially. Like I'm guessing little, they need to restyle him. He's like they? a little deer. <laughs> I swear yeah. when they restyled... But when they restyled... So did he get have the same costume? Yeah, he was wearing Matt Smith's clothes. Oh, uh, because I swear when Tennant regenerated into Matt, Matt Smith, he immediately had a bow tie and he was all like, oh, not sure. exciting bow ties. I'm not sure. I'm sure what would you like to see that wear? What would you like to see Just him? a really nice Hugo Boss suit. Really? really? Yeah. No. But he's always threadbare, isn't he? Boring. A bit. Pair of jeans Bring back the scar. He's, Boring. He is ripe for Tom Baker chic, as far as I'm concerned. No? Just getting... No, no, no. no. If that's Why what you fancy. I think that's... You're what, larger, what, what do you want? I mean, do you want Pertwee frills? Is this what you're saying? I think... Pinstripe. Pinstripe suit. I would like to Checks. see him wear a ruff. Yeah, Elizabethan... <laughs> Yeah. Bring back the rough. He's man. He is a man of no time, therefore for all time. And of course, you must take um, the rough with the smooth. Ooh. Then you know what I mean. It'd be good if he was, he was called smooth or something. Yeah. <laughs> then, then it would and be a pun. Like, but then doctor. you could do that with anything. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he waxes his genitals. <laughs> he maybe does. does. I've heard a lot of Scots do that. Do they? Yeah. Well, why would you do that? We've got to do something with that knife. No. Oh, top okay. bands. Anyway, Stuart. Yeah. Is it back to me? It is back to you, I feel. So now, what was the other thing you wanted to do? Well, talk the other about? big thing was on a week after Doctor Who, and that was this programme that you may have heard of called Sherlock! Yes, which I did yes. Which I think is how you have to say it. Sherlock! Yeah. It would have been quite nice if you'd run this run in order by me, so I at least could have read a synopsis. It's fine, I'll figure it out. Well, you know what happened at the last episode? Of Sherlock? Yeah. He's banging he died. Well, I, that's why this episode wasn't very good then. But he yeah. didn't. Did well, he he well his, we know he, he didn't he because jumped, in the last yeah. episode we saw that he was alive because yeah. he was beside his grave. Or did you switch so himself? Luke, him. Luke is the only person in England that, as he was falling from the building, just switched off and said, "Well, that's that then." Uh, I'm so, off to bed now. Uh, not recommissioning that. Either. Well, <laughs> it's just kind of like the one thing I actually know about Sherlock Holmes, aside from he's a real person who really lived on Baker Street. Obviously, is um, the fact is the fact that. Um, he always dies and then he hasn't died and it's just no, like that's that doesn't nonsense. always die that's Doctor Who that's, he died once he was killed off by Arthur Conan yeah. Doyle he went over and the then, Niagara Falls didn't he yeah and no, then no, it was like Reichenbach Falls was it? Oh, I don't in Switzerland but it was like 10 because, years later that, well it's basically see, it was financial experience that forced Arthur Conan Doyle um, an American publisher came back and made him a very genera- generous offer to basically resurrect the character uh. and because Arthur Conan Doyle had a lot of very expensive 
private pursuits. And not that he much integrity, do, he, he could do with No, it's something that Arthur Conan Doyle like, wrestled with throughout his career, that he wanted to be more respected than he was. But yeah. the one creation that really caught the public's was imagination Sherlock was Sherlock Holmes. But it's not, Sherlock Holmes, though, is really well-written. What and did he kind want of to genius. spend his money on? Oh, he had loads like, well, he was hunting myths. He had like quite expensive tastes. He had a big house, he had a big family. Um, he was pretty traumatized by the death of his son in the First, first World War. Um, not the First World War. Crimean, no, it was. Yeah, no, it was. I think it was the First World War, but that's years, years later. Falklands? Um, yeah, Falklands. Um, first off, But he's only died once, but I just thought, I love Sherlock. I think it's one of my favorite things the BBC has made in the last five or six years. Mm. And the thing is, with a really great cliffhanger, I think the test of a great cliffhanger is how you resolve it. Yeah. Anyone can write a great cliffhanger. Yeah. But it's the next episode that really makes whether it's a, it was a good story decision or not in terms of the narrative. And there's two ways. You can either... Sherlock did this between seasons one and two in that swimming pool with the, the bomb. Yeah. At the beginning of season two, they kind of within five minutes were like, oh, it's all done. And Moriarty fucked off. So that's one way you resolve it. And it feels cheap because you're like, oh, you've just duped me and the rest of the audience because you've set up this big dramatic scenario mm. and then the next episode you've forgotten about it and I feel cheated because I waited two years for that yeah this definitely didn't do that but I think this went the other way is what Dexter did after season four Ooh. where it spent an inordinate amount of time trying to resolve it mm. and because it spends so long trying to work through what it kind of um, built the show becomes very different from what you love about the show which is kind of a self-contained mystery mm-hmm. yeah do you think so mm-hmm. no I quite, I quite agree with you also, there was a. Am I? I don't know. I watched this thing last night, and I thought the first ten minutes or so were, were pretty good, pretty interesting. I loved the false start at the beginning of it. Oh, with Darren Brown. With Darren Brown. I yeah. See, now I saw him tweet about that. Yeah. That's but then after that, it kind of. Once again, do you blame Stephen Moffat for this? Oh, he, well, he didn't write it. But you see, he's showrunner. Mark Gates, isn't he? uh, Mark Gates is now showrunner. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. So Mark Gates is a showrunner for Sherlock. Yeah, and he, he wrote the uh, opening episode. That's and very how many more are there? Are there three? Three, three each ninety-minute episodes. Right. Okay. Well, that's... although also Moffat's episodes tend to be the best ones mm. of Sherlock as well. But I swear that was the case with Doctor Who, wasn't it? When he when Russell T Davis was doing it, didn't oh, I think people liked Moffat compared to Russell T Davis because Moffat's episodes tended to be a little bit darker. Yeah. Obviously, they benefited by virtue of being one or two episodes per it's... thirteen. Mm. And it's always easier to be working from really that good position. when you because you're chained, right? Yeah, nothing else. Well, it was okay, just really so, fidgety, wasn't it? Yeah. And restless and just like all over the place. And because it, the cliffhanger kind of cast this big shadow over the 90 minutes, anytime it came back to the plot of the terrorist attacks on London, which is why he came out of hiding, let's not forget that, it just seemed like, so when John got kidnapped, it just felt like it was confusing. Well, that didn't make any sense at all. But John, but John being kidnapped was nothing to do with the terrorist attempt anyway, was it? That's the, that's the confusing thing. John wasn't, being kidnapped, no. John being kidnapped was was to do with this this dark force, but I'm not sure that the but dark that, that force. Was, but that's linked to the terrorist attack t- too, Is surely. It? Well, surely like the bonfire theme and. Oh, I suppose. I, I thought it was all part of the machinations of the new villain. It's not, but it, it's not in, made implicit, though, is it? Um. And also, I just didn't. The, if you're going to have this massive cl- cliffhanger, mm. it does need to be resolved in a satisfactory way, surely. But. I don't know, like, they, they, they provided 
like two or three spurious explanations. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a joke because I think the show has been quite cheeky and coquettish going uh, like because in the years since it was on, there's been lots of explanations. And yeah. I know the thing is, Sherlock Holmes, and they talk about this in the stories, he knows that no explanation is satisfying enough. It never is. So when Sherlock always does in the beginning of any story, does those amazing observations where he says you're you're an alcoholic divorcee and mm. da, da, da. and people go, That's amazing, how have you done that? And then when he explains it, they go, Oh, that's boring. Because See, that's I don't it. think I don't think that is boring though. I like the way he breaks it all down and he says, Well, I know this because you've got this hair on your on the shoulder of your jacket and it's yeah, no, but blonde it, it, and blah, but blah, it's blah, not blah. as fantastical as the impossible. And he survived death. And when you find out it is crash mat you know, like he provides that explanation at the end. Yes. It's not going to be, if, even if that's not it, it's not going to be too dissimilar to that. And I think people would even find that quite, uh. But I, I still feel there should be some form of closure with it. Yeah. Why shouldn't there be? We've waited two years. But I think this. that is the explanation. I know like there's an element that he wouldn't tell him still, but it can't be too dissimilar to that. Mm. And I just saw an interview on BBC YouTube channel with Mark Gazers and Stephen Moffat, and they were kind of saying, they were talking about it like, you do find out the answer in episode one. So I think, because they did shoot some of that stuff with the crash mat, I think, at the time. Because mm-hmm. it was engineered because the ambulance bay obscures John's sight of the floor. Um, so I think that might be it'd be something like that which is never going to be as satisfying yes I think the him extrapolating deductions is more satisfying because there's skill to that but the explanation of that is a magic trick and magic tricks explained are just kind of banal because of course it is a mirror is not as impressive as magic Mm. I don't see I would have to disagree with you I like to get into how magic tricks work but then I've always enjoyed even when I was a kid, I used to enjoy taking things apart into the component sections to see how it all fit together and to see how it worked. Yeah, so I maybe understand. maybe I'm not the kind of person that the show is aimed but, for. But so, anymore. do you not think that explanation was satisfying? The one that you give to that guy? I thought the explanation was satisfying, but what irritated me was was not knowing if that was the correct answer. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. You see what I mean? Yeah. I would be happy for that to be implicitly to be implied that that is how he actually did it. But he kind of goes, "Well, maybe that's the way I did it." Ah, yeah. and I'm like, oh come on! Either that's the way you did it, or you didn't do it. We've waited two yeah, years. Yeah. Tell us. Mm. Okay. I guess part of it, though, with all those different like kind of ideas floating around, is that maybe they got a bit, they got cold feet. They were like, we don't want to definitively say this is how we did it. So if you are someone who was particularly fond of one of the other theories, you could potentially be like, ah, oh, well, he never actually said it, did he? So you know, you can kind of let yeah. that idea linger in your. I mean, that's that, also you're not having the courage sh- of conviction. No, I, I agree. I think I it's know, wrong, I, but I'm just putting out. I there think there's something inherently Sherlockian about allowing people to kind of end- endlessly kind of deduce about it and. I mean, it was a great mystery, right? It's something like a lot of people have wondered about. There's lots yeah. of viable theories. Would you really want to kind of nix that? Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would have been happy would, for yeah. all of that shit to be resolved in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And then an hour and 10 minutes, let's do the new mystery. Yeah. I really wanted to get into the new stuff. And I think 30 minutes would have been enough time to respect the end of the last season. And yeah, maybe they wouldn't be best friends right away. And maybe that they only come back together at the end of the episode. But at least give the new villain the best kind of start in life because mm. he's only got two episodes now to make a mark. And I feel like the first episode gypped him a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Well, I mean, we're going to get two more. Um, the next Where two are episodes are going to be Sunday. feature length, aren't they? It's on Sunday Again. We're still looking at an hour and a half for the next yep. two episodes, yeah. And when are they? Do they start, so what, then? On now, Sunday. So Sunday, this Sunday. And then, then presumably next Sunday. Sunday, probably. And I said to you earlier on The Office, 
these things, these are, these should be like televisual landmarks. Maybe we should have them eked out to us like once, once every month. three yeah. months or something yeah. like Actually, that. Yeah, it did feel like the first episode should have gone out in November. Yeah, like it had a bonfire theme, but yeah, yeah. I feel like the BBC delayed on delayed them a bit. I, it's weird. I, I think it's very weird. It's a lot of TV to go through, isn't it? Three of them. But January is, I don't know, well, I haven't said that, I suppose, like, a lot of people now, not many people are away in January, everyone's kind of, like, just getting back into the swing of things, so I suppose it makes sense. They have a record audience for well, the festive period. Well, yeah, nine point something Three, million. million, which is... Really? Uh, which, sure. is, which I suppose, when you think about it, it's the highest uh, rated episode of all the Sherlock so far. So, I, I guess, as that show has built up over the last couple of years... It wasn't such a bad thing to maybe reintroduce the characters so, to that extent. As someone who's, I think, seen one of the other episodes before, do you feel that this was definitely very much targeted at people who had seen the ones before and you know everything? Or was it also trying to kind of be a welcome introduction to anyone new who didn't? Um, I think you do need to know quite a lot of those people. Like, if you didn't know, like, the CSI guy who's gone a bit mad. Yeah. I think, well, I'd forgotten about him. He's I'd right there in the first episode. He used to hate Sherlock. Um... I think I watched it with my girlfriend who's never seen any of the other Sherlock Holmes episodes, um, Sherlock episodes. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was, a, it's not satisfying if you don't know what had happened previously. No, no I suppose it's more payoff, isn't there? Yeah. Well, we've got two more episodes to come. As always, let us know what you thought of uh, Sherlock or Doctor Who or any of the Christmas telly or what you got for Christmas. Any of that, Bobbins, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, and let's jump into this week's Reader FU. Now, we, I think we started something off uh, just before Christmas, yeah. really. We, um, we were having a long discussion about Wii U and whether or not it's too late for Nintendo to do anything to, to rescue, to salvage the Wii U from certain doom. Uh, and you wrote in, in your nines. In your nines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Edward Bauer uh, came up with one suggestion. He said, Nintendo should keep cracking on and pushing harder with the Wii U and working on what's next. Where would console gaming be without Nintendo? If they were to stop producing consoles, we'd have no innovation. Let me explain. Mm. NES was the first ever console, he says. Well, not really. Technically, Technically, no. No. Well, factually, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, factually, it wasn't. Uh, So we're not going to let you have that one, Ed. But he says SNES invented the shoulder buttons, which the PlayStation copied. Really? Yeah. Would you say it copied? Well, there was no... As I've done a bit of research on this, and as far as I can see, nobody before the Super Nintendo uh, console had shoulder buttons. No, I mean, you get, you get what they say, but then again, they did lots of other stuff, like they had the middle stick on the N64, and that... Well, went. he was about to say that. The N64 invented the analogue joystick and the rumble pack. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually say that I remember the analogue joysticks being available on the BBC microcomputer, so I'd actually <laughs> probably have to say new, <laughs> new. Uh, GameCube brought us pressure-sensitive buttons. I didn't know that. They did. But, but so did the piano. Hey, <laughs> hey. But having said that, they've now been ditched on the PS4, for example. Oh, that's so true. Is that, yeah. is that digital rather than... I think it's digital if they get... If I, don't, I, I think if there is obviously a fine distinction to be made between copying per se. I keep saying per se. What a wanky thing. I know. Uh, I've been thinking between that. Between copying Wanker. and just kind of cum- accumulating innovation. Yeah. Like, yep. things do, you know... And he also says the Wii totally reinvented the controller. PlayStation copied it, but Xbox actually took it one further with the Kinect. And Wii U brought us the tablet connectivity, which PlayStation 4 has with the Vita. I think you could say this about but this any the kind thing, of industry. Yeah, like, like I don't you know could say this about hi fis couldn't you? About one um, sort of company innovating a feature, and then that becomes industry standard. But this, this is the thing you saying like the Wii kind of like revolutionised it. Did it like motion control? 
Connect tried it, yeah, it didn't really work. Like, I don't think that did revolutionise. To me, that feels like a setback. Like, there are people now who are saying, you know, voice control on the Xbox One is revolutionary and the PS4 has copied it or will do with the camera. But no, because, you know, it was on the iPhone and who uses Siri anymore? Why use Siri when you can just use your in-app, your in-phone browser and stuff? Mm. So stuff like, they're new. And yeah, I guess you can say that's kind of revolutionary, but it's not because it's not... I don't think it does become industry standard. In several cases, these sites it has, but not recently. Okay. Not for a very long time, I would well, argue. Well, here's his final point. He says, if Nintendo pulls out of the console market, it would be detrimental to the progression of the industry. The issue with the Wii U is that it didn't really bring us anything new. They need to focus on the next big thing as that's what they do best. I, I think, yeah. I agree with that. I think the problem that they have with the Wii U is, it's, well, we've, we've done this to death, but it's kind of, it's, you know, it's gen, current gen point five, kind of. <laughs> Phil says... There is no way at this point that Wii U can be a massive success. Nintendo should start looking ahead to the next generation by establishing a new stable of IPs to call upon, and ideally some that appeal more to the Western hardcore gamer. Establish them now as new IPs and release them next gen as more familiar sequels. Tons of developers are seeking publishers for their games, and Nintendo has lots of money to throw around. This is what they did with Platinum, but Nintendo needs to get over its refusal to make Western-style games. Is that really unfair? I think what, that's a bit unfair. What uh, Nintendo makes makes lots of games that appeal to Western market, um, especially Mario. I, don't, I think Mario appeals. I think Zelda appeals. Yeah, Pokemon appeals. I think Smash Brothers appeals. Mario Kart. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of get what he's saying. I think they're doing a, another thing with um, the kind of high, what's it called Hyrule. Oh, Hyrule Warriors, Warriors. with the crossover with Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, yeah. they're taking an IP and trying to aim it more at the Japanese market, if anything. But I think a lot of Nintendo's kind of traditional games are kind of international friendly. Yeah. I remember that... I know kind of global products, I think. Well, Miyamoto said that there there is a new franchise in development and that that's going to be shown off. I think he said it was at E3, but it might be just sometime this year. But he has confirmed that there is a new franchise on the way. So, you, so to go back to Phil's point, so what he's saying, what well, his argument is, to give it some credit is, uh-huh. and give it some time to breathe, is he's saying don't abandon the Wii U right now, but use it as a test bed for new characters, new IPs, establish them in the collective consciousness, and then next generation, run with they're them. established and run with them. Yeah. But it is, it's really tricky, though, isn't it, to launch a new IP on a console that doesn't have yeah. a big install base? Because then it's like so much danger there. How can you actually kind of install that in, the con- in people's consciousness if nobody's actually brought the console yeah. to play it on? So that's yeah. why my argument with that would be you don't use the Wii U as that. That's your 3DS, right? Because so many people have a 3DS. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you use the 3DS as the introductory game, uh-huh. and then boom, you bring the big console, you know, mm-hmm. version of it out as right. the next I, one. I, I, Everyone's going to want that. You know? I said this before on, on the podcast, is Nintendo, everyone berates them and go, oh, the same old fucking characters again and again. But if you look at the diversity within the Mario games, it's tremendous, the amount of experimentation and invention. And what they do is, you know, I've said this before, Mario Galaxy could have been a brand new little Spaceman character. Yeah. But they knew it's a bit weird, bit new concept, having this kind of weird platform-based uh, 3D platformer on planets and stuff. Let's ops- offset the kind of weirdness of that concept by having it Mario. Mario's nice, new, or, you know, mm. familiar and friendly. So you take an old IP to offset the danger of a really new idea. Um, Nintendo have done this for ages. They did it with like um, Kirby when it yeah. was the yarn game. Kirby They've done it loads of times. Yeah. 
Okay, so then, so now we get to Matt Barlow, uh, son of Gary. Not really, but maybe. He was on the telly a lot over Christmas, he wasn't he? Was. Oh, guy, I so... In Afghanistan. I'm so done with Gary Barlow. Stop <laughs> doing things, yeah. please. Him and that other idiot, Robbie Williams, he gets right at my tit I don't like Robbie Williams. He looks like a badger now. He's got, like, white, uh, like, in the middle of his hair is all grey. Well, don't knock that. But, no, well, it's fine when it's thing, mottled. This whole fucking swing thing he's doing, he's yeah. rubbish at it. He's not been doing that for years. He's been trying to get that for what, years. Swing when, you're, swing when you're winning. Yeah, and swings one, both ways. Here's the thing, right? Michael, I'm not a fan of Michael Bublé, but he knocks spots off Robbie Williams when it comes to doing that swing thing. Oh, I like Michael Bublé. Yeah. But that's my, he's funny. My problem. He is a funny man. Yeah. You know who is funny? Who? James Blunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, you, he sure. is quite funny, isn't he? If, you, um, if nobody's checked out James Blunt's Twitter feed, go do it now. Yeah, no, the man is um, the is man's he, pretty on it in yeah, terms of really dealing with funny. trolls. He, he handles trolls excellently. Um, so yes, Matt Barlow, you who we left for a second. Um, so yes, last time obviously we were chatting about various things they tend to do. do are they going to support the Wii U for a long time? Should they abandon it? So he says, <laughs> I would very... Wii long time. Yeah, <laughs> Wii long time. Um, so he says, I would very much like to see the Wii U supported until about halfway through the presumed seven or eight year cycle of the PS4 and Xbox One, at which point it'd be great to see Nintendo release a new powerhouse of a machine to blindside Sony and Microsoft. There's been doubts to the long-term capabilities of the new systems when compared to existing PC hardware, and though many would say producing a top-of-the-line machine is not Nintendo, it's an often-forgotten fact that the N64 and GameCube both had more graphical horsepower than their PlayStation competition and were limited by puny storage media on both occasions, Resident Evil 4 being a good example. Just some wishful thinking. So no. I, I hear what he's saying. Yeah, I can't see them doing that. I don't they know. They would be well, bringing out a new console to market in what two years' time. Mm. But it's weird. It's the weird. Expense of it. But it's, it's this is kind of what I find weird. And there's something that we've had throughout a lot of the um, a lot of the kind of feedback. You know, people saying you blindside Sony and Microsoft, but they're not blindsiding because it's you know when, something we've made very clear. Nintendo has its own stable of franchises, and it's it's not going to kind of. I don't know. I don't think. I think you're a Nintendo fan, or you Sony and Microsoft. You're competing against each other. But oh. if you're into what Nintendo has to offer, well, well here's what. This is what uh, um, a t- an email from Joe uh, Joe Paris says. He says a couple of things, but the pons- one of the, his main point is this. Uh, he says, scrap the console, focus on the 3DS, license their IPs to Sony and Microsoft, and then sit back and rake in the cash. The games will sell ten times the number they do now, and you won't get future generations never having experienced Mario and Zelda. There is no need for the Wii U to exist other than to satisfy Nintendo's own ego. Wow. It's interesting. I don't don't perceive it as a vanity project. I think R&D would have started on it a long time ago, where... You know, they were riding high on the coattails of the Wii, being one of the best consoles ever. It's not, I don't think it would be an egotistical decision after that to go, let's do another console. Yeah. That seems a very common sense decision to And do. it was we more just, of an iteration, right? An iteration on one, one of the most successful. One of the best selling consoles of all time. Yeah. yeah. Got grannies and parents buying consoles. Let's do another one. Mm. There were BBC News stories about that's uh, not Wii's being put in old folks' homes because they, they found... Getting and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, so that's not in itself hubris. Obviously, it's not panned out like that. I can't see them doing a new two years' time a more powerful console compared to the PS4 because third-party developers are still going to develop for Xbox One and PS4, so why do a different skew But it is You're you're right, though. It is weird. Like, something that, when I think of Nintendo games, I think about gameplay that's difficult to find on the other consoles, you know, kind of unique things like that, whereas, you know, it is about... I think of my PS4 or Xbox One, it's more graphic-based. So it's... It's tricky, and, so, and the bigger that divide becomes, you know, 
and the more, the more difficult it is for third party and things. Yeah, so following on from your email, I've got one from Cameron who kind of chimes with what I think about the situation. I think the best avenue for Nintendo is to leave the home, home console market and free up their software for release on other platforms. This would, in my view, be the best of both worlds as they still would be able to achieve handheld dominance with the 3DS, but also dominate as developers and publishers by putting all their resources into making excellent games. Yeah. Just think about it being able to play Super Mario Galaxy on your PS4. People would absolutely flock to it. And it's true, like, you I know, Super Mario World, 3D World, has won Game of the Year for many, many outlets. Not, yeah. not, not great outlets compared to IGN, but, you know, <laughs> other websites are available. Other websites are available. And for damn good reason, because they are still masters when it comes to designing mm. amazing, wonderful, enchanting, enchanting, beguiling video games. And it'd be amazing if they could do that on every system. I, I just, I think they never, ever will. I think, I think no matter, I think, like, yeah, you know Sega what? did, Sega yeah, did. I was going to say, I'm old enough to remember when, the, when the, the idea of Sonic the Hedgehog being on any other platform rather well, than a Sega Nintendo system <laughs> were, were, was just anathema. It would not have happened. Yeah. It was never going to happen. Financial expedient. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing with them, obviously, there were mutterings. I think it was last year, because I remember writing the story about it. Nintendo released them, like, a Pokemon app for, yeah, iOS. And remember, it was the first time, because Nintendo was so protective of its IP, it doesn't even matter if they develop it, you cannot play it on a device that is not Nintendo. Mm. That's it. And so, for the first time ever, suddenly apps and things went on to iOS. It's the future. Yeah, and so this yeah. is the thing. People were arguing that, is that just, you know, just a handy thing for people, or is that them literally kind of testing the monetization models, see whether it makes sense financially to then look into bringing their back catalogue to imagine, iOS and Android. Imagine, imagine Pokemon Red on your imagine phone. Imagine a Super Nintendo app for your iPad through which you could put, buy individual cartridges. Yeah. Like NES Remix then, kind of type Which you then slide across and put into a virtual SNES on your iPad yeah. and you could play it with yeah. a, like a Bluetooth controller. That yeah. would do license so for money. Like, of course it is. Course and it is. each game 50p. And, and the silly thing is, you can. You you know, buy we've, mentioned this, we've mentioned this before. Yeah. You can already do that if you look around the murkier parts of the internet. Yeah. Like so like all, they, all they're doing is losing out on yes. this. Yeah. But it's weird because that's that. I should show you something after. The, well, hey. great. No, um, Mac um, so, uh, d- developer over Christmas. It'd been in a lengthy beta. I've released um, an application called Open Emu, which is a very, very slick. Um, kind of ROM iTunes so it keeps all your ROMs in one place does all the box art all that and it's just think oh, if Nintendo released something akin to that yeah yeah. you just think the thing that um, just like just looking at what they've done before they just we've always said Nintendo is either kind of whether it's willfully ignorant or just generally in- ignorant like some of their decisions seem to be so kind of counterintuitive to a lot of the things. But like, they are still sloshing around in cash at the moment. Oh yeah, well, like we, well, there we had that article, you know, about yeah. how they they're like literal assets of you know just cash. They still own the baseball team. Oh, I don't know. No, but their cash assets are huge. Yeah. Like they're no, they're no danger. Like they could afford another there twenty we use like fails before they even. But you can't though, Luke, can you? Because you know, then your reputation becomes tarnished. Oh, completely. But I mean, from a financial standpoint, which is probably why they're not panicking. But similarly, like you know, we can be like, how do they save the Wii U? We can talk about how to save the Wii U. They don't need to save Nintendo. Like oh. maybe from a reputation standpoint, but they're not in the financial doldrums where they have to kind of offer their licenses, their franchises to other things or go onto other devices, they're fine. They, you know, like Nintendo was financially stable, 
they're completely it's it's a reputation thing and so that's why it is about saving the wii u rather than kind of saving nintendo from my perspective anyway um so anyway then nathan baino adoti i'm going with um said the one thing that i can think of to save the console would be a similar subscription service to that of playstation plus in which you get a couple of free great games a month for each of the consoles of the current generation um, then also an advertising campaign that promotes a Wii U with a month trial of said service might be just a thing that they need to help sell more units. Again, yes, that's interesting. But I, are there, like, you know, are there Wii U games out there that you'd want for free? <laughs> like, again, like not being facetious there, I can't think of any game if it was free that I'd be like, with the PlayStation Plus, I know it's a sweetener for me. There's enough good games that I'd happily spend money on. Then you have this sweetener. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. extra games. With Wii U, there's not enough games that I'd want to buy buy you know and i'm still paying for subscription i know i don't i don't know that would work for nintendo they don't but again subscription service like you said and then you get maybe back access to the back catalog if it's like a netflix thing yeah that's much more appealing george uh, george olivaris has got a good idea he said nintendo should consider getting rid of the wii u pad and include a regular pro controller this would allow them to lower the price and i'd buy it in a heartbeat i don't mind the idea of having a console for just nintendo games but he doesn't want to pay $300 for it. Now, that's come in quite a lot, that idea, hasn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Like, have, you had sure. a, have you had an email based on the same thing there, one of you guys? I have, sure it, yes. From Andrew Monaghan. Um, his suggestion is, get rid of the gamepad. Why? It's barely utilised. To some, while unique, it's outdated compared to other tablet devices. And plus, if the gamepad is so innovative and worth having, then why would people spend up to £500, £700 on two systems? Why not? They would obviously do that with a PS4 Vita bundle rather than a Wii U that has a tablet with the system. Mm. Software seems to be fantastic. People just don't like the hardware. I've got a similar thing from Donny Reese. He says, coming to you from the States, I think Nintendo should drop the gamepad as a must-have accessory and do a pro controller bundle for 200 US dollars. As a current Wii U owner with several games, I really love the Wii U and the gamepad, but it is a luxury item and not necessary. They'd, ha- they'd have to rejig certain games with patches if that's the case, because some yeah. games I just think you can't it's like, play without it. Well, you remember last like year... Mario World. 3D world there's certain stages that you need the screen yeah the thing that shocked us last year about Microsoft doing that U-turn was like holy shit Microsoft's holding it hand up and be like you know what we were wrong and yeah it was an exercise in damage control but so much PR was put into you know Nintendo being like this is the innovative face this is the future for them to kind of be like we tried it you hated it let's not do it anymore plus isn't it just a isn't a Wii U just a Wii without a gamepad slightly better graphics it's, it's, still more, a, it's still like, a HD console. Like it, it is. It has. Got I, more I understand what you're saying, grunt, but, but you know, yeah. from Nintendo, as we've always said, it's not a, Nintendo aren't about the graphics. They're about the game. It gameplay. would have been better if if the the tablet component was more of a fully functioning tablet. Yeah, like you could take it out of your house and it would still like be, you can with a Vita, like with a tablet. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the <laughs> yeah. thing they were positioning it as this the tablet like device, but it wasn't. It's like this weird dummy terminal. It's almost a weird remote control receiver thing. It's yeah. not actually a tablet. It, it ostensibly looks like a tablet. It has some of that functionality, but it's not. So Imagine if they did come out now and say, yeah, you know, we'll get rid of it. You can just use a normal controller. And all those people that had paid big bucks to have this device and all the games that had been developed for it, and then suddenly, boom. It's no weird, though. Yeah. If, you, if you get a, a Wii U and spend time with it, which I haven't done for ages, but I have recently been playing Mario, is how much... I've been playing Mario co-op with my missus and... It's weird how we played it both with two pro controllers. Mm. You kind of forget about the gamepad at all. It becomes irrelevant. It's mm. there and occasionally be like, hey, use this. And it becomes almost kind of a fun thing to use it. Yeah. Because it's not the default. And you use it occasionally. Hey, it's one of those fun yeah, gamepad levels. And they are really fun. And one of you will move platforms using it. 
But playing Mario World, the default for us is always pro controllers. Yeah. So in that in that context, it's kind of it's a little bit of a it's kind of exciting to use it because it does break up the experience. I think you're looking at it more as like, oh, you always have to use this. Yeah. And obviously, it is pitched like that in all the marketing and on the box and yeah. stuff. But when you actually get a Wii U, you you kind of rarely use it. It's my experience of it. I mean, you just think when obviously they've been chatting about a new Zelda for Yonk, so that must be in development. You know, the USP has always been the gamepad, so surely they're going to have, like... They're going to have sure integrated that sure to the nines. I'm sure... Well, See, there they haven't that heavily with Mario 3D I suppose, world. but this is kind of what I'm wondering. But you know, you know think, how long development cycles are. I think it worked are. really well with Zelda. It works yeah. really well in A Link to the Past. Just more a Link than... Between Worlds, even. Because if you've got a massive inventory to manage... Dead easy with a gamepad yeah. screen. Like, it's just having... Uh, the thing, whenever I've used it, what I find distracting is having to take my eyes off the screen like the main screen to access a menu or something but it not being paused so then but Luke you're going to have to get used to that in the brave new world because that's how a lot of games are going to go if we're, but you know. this is what I find but this is what I found that was my disconnect with it I don't like taking my eyes off the main screen because then I look down and then I suddenly realise I'm getting hit yeah well, you're too old for this shit now I'm too old leave it to the it. kids I know I know 24 done game <laughs> over. over it's all over so um, but no I, I think I think the game pad's great like in terms of it defined the console. When you think of the Wii U, you then go gamepad. I don't know. I don't Do think you? you could get rid of it. Do you? When, do I, you when, I, when I think of Wii U, I just think badly marketed. <laughs> oh my god! But, but like, that's just me, and I'm a cynical old fucker. Is that it for feedback for this week? That is from I think so. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. That's the email address if you'd like to get hold of us, if you'd like to chat for us for any reason at all about whatever you want to talk about. Please do. Um, there, there are no games out this week. No. I looked, there's nothing coming out for any of your consoles, especially the Wii U. Well, yeah. Maybe looking in the murkier parts of it. What? What's that? Look at the murkier parts of where now? A couple of movies coming out, though. And Dan, I know you've seen American Hustle. I've seen two of three of these. Wow. You've seen so, all of them, then? I've seen all of them, haven't <laughs> I? Are they good? Uh, American Hustle. Um, really? A lot of people really like American Hustle. I think I might have to dissent slightly. I think it's, it's a very stylish movie. Some really good... Um, Eccentric performances in it. Oh, it's an amazing Bradley Cooper cast. and Christian Bale are great in it. Yeah. Some funny dialogue. It's overly long, and I think there's probably the style outweighs the substance. That's a shame. It's like a slightly less weighty Scorsese film from that period. Mm. Okay, that's not ideal. I'm not. I'm turning. I'm not a big fan of David O. Russell. I didn't really like Silver Linings Playbook. No, I although didn't. it's just real Oscar baiting, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all damaged, you're all damaged, let's be damaged together and dance. Have you seen his <laughs> early films? Have you seen Three Kings? I have seen Three Kings. Three yeah. Kings is I quite brilliant. Like Three Kings. I really like Three I've Kings. I've not seen The Fighter, I should say. Is no. Jennifer Lawrence good in American Hustle? She is good, but she, she's becoming a bit like she's playing Jennifer Lawrence. I, she's in a lot of things. She's now. doing the Jennifer Lawrence kind of. Mimi shtick she does on yeah. the internet, internet Jennifer Lawrence where she's got a lot of attitude but she is really good in it do you think the problem with Jennifer Lawrence is we're seeing as a, as a result as a, well yeah because she was in something successful and then obviously suddenly everybody is clamouring for her to be in their movie she's doing a lot and of she like, did a ensemble lot, bits yeah, yeah she was in, so she's been in a lot of movies which are all coming out at the same time and now we're going to get a bit of overkill yeah. of Jennifer Lawrence but in conclusion yeah. I think it's a terrible Hawkeye Batman a Rocket Raccoon, Mystique, Lois Lane crossover movie. Hey, see what you did there. That's quite enjoyable. 
It is though. Well done. Mm. You're welcome. That, did you did you did you have to write that down or did you just? I just did it in my head because I'm young and nimble, Stuart. Unlike <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, so the other film we've seen then is probably Mandela Long Walk to Freedom. Is yeah, it? Well, he does the voice. He does the voice for two and a half hours. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> and he does the makeup for the last bit. There's a bit towards two thirds of the way in the movie. And Idris Elba is really great throughout the movie. But two thirds of the way in the movie, is, is, he kind of elides some time. Mm. He's on Robin Island and he skipped probably like 20 years. And his daughter comes to visit him in prison for um, a chat. And they slide back the divider between in the interview room and he's in like really strong lights, like under a spotlight and the makeup looks so terrible. Cause mm. it, and he's, it's the shock of seeing him and he's like, he's just caked with makeup <laughs> and he's just sat there like really old. But apart from that, it's really And then good. he does, then he checked, does his voice change at that point? He does. I can't do the Mandela. Can you do the Mandela? No, I can't. But I was thinking, is it a bit like when Dylan fell off his motorbike? And then uh, his voice, voice changed. changed. Yeah. No, he does the Mandela accent. He's, he's, the Have voice is pretty that? good. What's that from? Who, Dylan? Who? Well, basement, Dylan. basement tapes. Oh, I thought, so, you know, I was thinking it's of like a the name. basement tapes at yeah. the time. But uh. his accent's really strong early on, and then it kind of softens. It's really good throughout the movie. It, it is good. He sounds like Mandela. It's not, it's on the cusp of an like, impression, but it's pretty <laughs> good. But early on, there's one scene where I think it might have come really like the first day of shooting. And he's obviously really gone for it. And I think like the day after, they probably look back going, fucking hell, that was a bit much, wasn't it? Because he kind of softens after that scene, but it's out of sequence. So about 20 minutes into the movie, he goes full Mandela. Um, I'll tell a story about this. I w- um, in the run up to Christmas, I went to a Christmas party were on the night that Nelson Mandela died. Yeah. And the DJ thought it would be a really beautiful, touching, um, meaningful tribute to the great man to play free Nelson Mandela. Wow. (laughs) To a room full of people who were a bit pissed. He realised after probably about 20 seconds and the people who were running the party, not the IGM party, we should say, um, that this wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Because he went... Now, to respect Madiba, everyone dance. Whoa. And then wow. he took it off. Like You heard the record go, what? Oh. Not now, because he was on an iPod, obviously. And then he played Ghost Town by The Specials. Whoa, bang. I would have played Waka Waka this time for Africa by Shakira. Or uh, Africa by Toto. There you go. There you go. No, that actually, that or was on something. by Toto Coelho. Some, a radio station did that. A radio station played Africa by Toto. And In memory of Madiba. Yeah. Why? What? Really? Yeah. I swear, it's, that, that is ringing bells for me. So... Because a lot of radio stations play Toto Africa quite well, a lot. Like, no, no, yeah. no, but they were like openly kind of like, you know... Oh, uh, this in, is in for Nelson Mandela. So, Long Walk to Freedman. Freedom. Freedman. Oh, Long Walk to Freedman. That's what he was that's doing the at the sequel. end. That's what they should that's have called have done. That, oh. That's what... Yeah, it's, it finishes with Invictus. Yeah. No, like... the That's what he was doing. Okay, I walked away thinking Idris Elba, he's, he's going to win an Oscar for his portrayal of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a really good film. I really enjoyed it. But all, part of that is because it is an absolutely amazing story. Is he going and to? And they do all parts of his life, like everything. Is he going to they win really an Oscar? They really cram it all in. I can't. Is it Oscar territory? I think DiCaprio should win it for Wolf Well, Wall you haven't Street. seen 12 Years of Slavery. I haven't seen yeah. that. I think yeah. Chiwetel Ejiofor, just by the trailer, should yeah. maybe win it. But he's my, brilliant anyway. You've seen Firefly. 
Oh yeah, he's he's amazing in that. He's only in it for a short amount of time. He's, not, he's, he's in he's, the film. Yeah, Serenity. 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 There we go. I apologise. Well, you should do Stuart because yeah. you're a you, you're a stickler for facts. It's true. Um, but he is great. He's great in most things I've seen. Mm. Is it in Kinky Boots? He is. Yes, he's very good in that. He's really good in that. He would have been a lot of people I know would have liked him to be Doctor Who. Yeah, the first Black Doctor. He's too good for that. Um, so he's excellent. I think so far, based on what I've seen um, of this year's Oscar contenders, DiCaprio is amazing Wolf of Wall Street. It's also a great role to like go for an Oscar because you've got like three or four monologues in the movie where you're speaking to the crowd. And he's like whipping them into a frenzy. He shows great physical humor. I've never seen him do slapstick before. Mm. He's brilliant. I love really? Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> wow. Get a fucking grip. Hey, you haven't hey? seen the film. You're not a fan. I I like him. What? Oh, I'm not getting into this. I like him. He's fine. The older the, I find the older the more the more he matures, the more I like him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember watching the Aviator and falling in love with him in the Aviator because I just thought he was absolutely Django. fantastic. And Django, when that's, I, that's I like speech him. Yeah. Where he actually fucks up his hand, his hand in the speech. <laughs> he fucks himself up. Commitment. Was that loop. was that real? Yeah. yeah. Fucks his hand because up. I saw it was bleeding. I was like, and he just keeps on going. Yeah. And this thing, and then he's got a scar now. Yeah. When I watched it, I was like. That's weird. He's cut his hand, and they've not made anything of it in the, in, the, in the thing. Why have they not done that? But he grabs oh, that skull. It's like sewing into it, and then he it's like. Made me want to watch it again. I've seen yeah. it twice, but I could probably happily watch it a third um, time after the tweet along. I think Daniel's probably done with it. <laughs> <laughs> sweet Jesus. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, though. You're going to go see that next yes. week. Looking forward to it. I'll report back then. Uh, oh, and of course, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, is out, but nobody gives a shit about it. Well, they smuggled that out. Have you seen that? New. No. It was supposed to come out in time for Halloween, and they delayed it mysteriously. Probably shit. Mm, <laughs> I actually <laughs> don't mind the other Paranormal Activities. Meh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Boring. I don't. So, yeah. Uh, there you go. Should we go? Commode does it better, doesn't he? He does really, doesn't he? Well, not really. I've actually only just discovered Mark Commode. Um, <laughs> You've only just discovered him? <laughs> And he's quite new. He's new on the scene, isn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah, no, because because um, uh, I watched Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Yeah. Danny Dyer was on it. Everyone's taking the piss Danny out of Danny, Danny Dyer. Dyer. This thing, I wanted to see more people taking the piss out of Danny Dyer. They and really so, did rip into him on that as well. Yeah. Well, so, he deserves it. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Why is that then? <laughs> Why? Because... I don't want to like him because everyone else doesn't. There's like the thing. My best. Well, you my don't best, like him because everybody else doesn't. No, like him. my best mate came like back from um from Japan and was talking about him. Well, he keep, apparently like he was like saying he's trained by Pinter. He was trained by Pinter. I'm like he wasn't trained by Pinter. He was in a couple of Pinter plays. No, and he's, that, no, he he's got Pinterest. He's got Pinterest, Boom. and he keeps kind of claiming that Pinter's his best friend. No, anyway, no, no. bullshit. You're calling bullshit. I'm you calling. Do you like Danny Dyer? Do I like Danny? No. Why are you defending Danny Dyer for? I didn't realise I was defending Danny Dyer. Stuart Reed, the voice of balanced reason. Do you not know Stuart Reed. What the fuck? (laughs) Stuart Reed loves Danny Dyer. Oh. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.